Hey guys, Brandon here. We'll get you to the show in just a second. And if you want to listen to that 90s baseball pod early and ad-free, make sure to sign up at patreon.com slash that 90s baseball pod. Subscribers at any level get the show as soon as it's created, early and ad-free. Now, for our sponsors, we have eParade, which is reasonably priced, trendy kitchenware. That's E-P-A-R-E dot com. Promo code 10T90BP10. So, that 90s baseball pod, T90BP, with 10 on either side. Symbol.app, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot app, is the stock market for sports. If you use the promo code BENDER, you get a free week of Symbol Gold. Hinterland Coffee in Minnesota is a freshly roasted coffee experience every single week. Monthly subscriptions get 10% off. Go to hinterlandmn.com. Three-star sports cards, you can find them online or in person in Bloomington on Lindale Avenue or in Little Canada on Rice Street or threestarsportscards.com. And finally, Humility Chains. Royce Lewis's mom, Cindy, makes stylish, affordable chains and necklaces and bracelets that go, uh, the proceeds go directly to the Nigu Foundation to help children fighting cancer. So a portion, again, of those proceeds go to the Nigu Foundation to help children fighting cancer cancer more than 20 styles of chains and bracelets are available they're affordable they look great i'm wearing mine right now i highly recommend them it's humility chains on etsy so look up etsy and then search for humility chains and now on to your show Again, it is Brandon Warren for That 90s Baseball Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren and at uh, Greg Olson 30. Um, Greg, I am absolutely delighted. I'm not going to wait even a single second to bring on our guest. Uh, First of all, I'll ask you how you're doing, and then we'll dive right in. I'm doing great. I'm excited to uh, to (laughs) have one of my my favorite managers on it. You can go ahead, Brandon, and Give us the introduction. Yeah, this is the manager that I grew up watching when I started watching the Minnesota Twins in 1993, and I think anybody who's been listening to this show, episode number 23, for the last 22 episodes is going to know that this is Mr. Tom Kelly. Tom, it is an absolute honor to have you on with us today. Well, I don't know about all that, but uh, it was nice to speak with Greg the other day, and uh, it was quite a surprise. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, and of course, I know two Greg Olsons, and I was, uh, it took me two or three minutes to figure out which one I was talking to. <laughs> but uh, again, <laughs> that all worked. And, yeah, that's uh, funny. So here we are. Yeah, yeah. No, um, absolutely delighted. Uh, we've met a couple times at Target Field, but I can't imagine. I mean, you've met a lot of people, so I don't expect you to remember. I'm trying that. to remember as we speak. 
We um we talked about the twenty two inning game in ninety three. Pedro Munoz. Oh, Pedro Munoz. Yeah, and then we talked about if uh, if you thought Chip Hale could play second base, you told me he could not. Um, yep, and then uh, <laughs> a few other things. It, it's it, you you always are so busy when you get there, so I don't expect you were telling a story about Wayne Hathaway one time on the bus. And he was Correct. crying, and the bus bus was on fire. And Correct. I just remember how you held captive an audience that, um, you know, he was crying and everything. This was before Wayne passed away. This was probably five, six years ago. But uh, I'll never Correct. forget that day at Target Field. Yeah. Um, we're double A, and we're somewhere in the Southern League. Uh, I think we left Savannah. Yeah, it was Savannah because the bus driver – put a hole in the roof of the bus under some of them low-hanging trees in Savannah. <laughs> you know, those big trees they got on the streets there on the way to that old ballpark. And uh, I kept begging him to get in the other lane, and he wouldn't do it. And sure enough, he got <laughs> tore the roof off the bus. And he put a hole in pretty good section on the front right of the bus above the window, windshield. And... Uh, <laughs> That was entertaining enough as it was, but uh, uh, that evening after the game, we had to go to some place like Birmingham or somewhere, and uh, of course it it rained. It rained, rained. <laughs> Not a little rain, a lot of rain. And we're on an interstate, and next I hear guys coughing in the back of the bus, and uh, I turn around and there's smoke uh, in the bus. So I'm going, oh, geez, here we go. So we pull over on the interstate. Mind you, it's pouring rain. I had to get everybody off the bus. And uh, Wayne Hathaway, who was a legend in Twins baseball, uh, he would not get off the bus. And I said, Wayne, get off the bus. And I didn't use those words. I told him to get off the bus, and a little sterner than that. And uh, he would not get off the bus. And I begged him three times to get off the bus because I want to spray the uh, the uh, fire extinguisher. And uh, he he says, "TK, I'm going down with the ship, Biggin." That's what he said. <laughs> got the players back on the bus after it uh, got the smoke out of there and and uh, we proceeded on but in the meantime they're all drenched and uh, it, it wasn't pretty it was one of them uh, minor league memorable moments that you really don't want to have but we did and, uh, but that's my best Wayne Hathaway story we got others but uh <laughs> Wayne was uh, uh, a legend, and unfortunately, he left us last year. And uh, uh, but uh, uh, Wayne was a so-called trainer of our team in the minors, and of course, he he could do an ankle or tape an ankle and rub some uh, hot stuff on the pitcher's uh, shoulder. But he always had comments for the pitcher. Uh, he would say things like, see you in a half hour, you know, you'll be done. <laughs> he would also uh, also ask if he, if the pitcher had uh, any family or friends coming 
to the game, and and uh, you know, the pitcher would say, "Yeah, I got a my brother's in town, or my dad or mom," and uh, he would say, "Then, well, I hope they get here early." <laughs> yeah. So oh, he 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 was uh, pretty much an instigator, but uh, uh, certainly a legend in Twins baseball. Well, my my favorite big fella story was relayed by Terry Ryan, who. I have the utmost respect for, um, you know, he used to sit down with us before games and talk to the media, which, you know, you'd get the Yankee reporters looking at you like you're cross-eyed because they didn't get to talk to Brian Cashman like we got to talk to TR. And uh, he said he and he and Wayne went way back to when Terry was pitching in the minor leagues and right. Wayne's chatting him up and he's rubbing him up and he gets to the end and he goes, you know, Wayne, that was real nice, but uh, you rubbed the wrong arm. Right. <laughs> So, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's Terry Ryan was, uh, did a terrific job, uh, twins baseball. And, and of course he scouted with the Mets and, uh, worked for the Phillies. And I think he's getting ready to retire. Yeah. He's he been memorable then. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, he had a wonderful career in baseball, no question. And, uh, I like to think we're good friends and, and, uh, we've, talk periodically through the year and uh stay in touch and and uh he was on actually a hall of fame committee uh doing a vote uh he was i they have a bunch of committees and mm-hmm. divisions of uh guys getting in but he uh he sent me a copy of all the information of uh of all the players, and my goodness gracious, I mean, how can you not vote for this guy, and how can you not vote for that guy? I, I mean, I would have voted for all of them, but mm-hmm. he had to weed it down to like two or three. <clears throat> it was quite a chore for him, and, and, uh, but he took it very seriously like he does everything regarding mm-hmm. the game of baseball, no question. Well, Oli, I know you've got, you've got some no, memories. No, I just... just uh... Give me, give me one of your, you know, welcome to the big league moments when you got called up in '75. Oh, that was an adventure. Um, I was in <laughs> Tacoma, Washington, playing AAA, and uh, uh, I got a call. I believe it was Cal Irmer, and uh, no, it was actually Ron Zolo. Ron Zolo was assistant general manager of the Tacoma Twins, I think it was called at the time. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But uh, the, uh, and said, I, you know, we got to get you to the airport. I got you a flight, blah, blah, blah. He says, but we, what we want to do is, is go out and have uh, a big lunch. And we're going to go to the rib place and, uh, uh, and eat, and then I'm going to get you to the airport. So there's three or four other players that I was halfway close to uh, on that team. And, you know, we all went to lunch and we ate ribs and, oh, boy. And uh, I should preface that uh, ribs and that sauce sometimes don't agree with me. And uh, <laughs> things start happening. And so next thing I know, I'm on the airplane and my stomach starts rumbling. Now, I don't know if it was the ribs or nerves or a combination of both, but uh, – uh, that was a long flight for me to uh, Minnesota, and it was supposed to be a happy time, and it was anything but. And uh, 
and it's safe to say I probably caused a disturbance on the plane with the, uh, <laughs> how can I say this nicely? Let's just say vomiting. And uh, oh. it was a nightmare. And I got to Minnesota in time for the game. I get, uh, I'm not doing good. And uh, I couldn't hardly function. And, and uh, I didn't even get the uniform on. That was bad. So all that first uh, day was uh, not good. But uh, well, we did manage to, I think, get 70 days in the big leagues. And uh, as a player, managed to get one over the fence uh, hitting. And uh, uh, But that was pretty much my claim to fame. And that 181 batting average certainly didn't make it. So, uh, But I take a lot of heat for that 181. But I always remind the the person that's given the heat, I always ask them, well, what did you hit when you were in the big leagues? <laughs> and they, they sort of put their tail between their legs and walk away. So <clears throat> there's a, you know, it becomes, gets a little funny at times when you announce you hit 181 or somebody reminds you <laughs> that you hit 181 in the big leagues. Uh, at least we hit something. Okay. You know? Yeah. Can, can, can I ask? But, who uh, it was uh, uh, that first day in the big leagues was not what you call very memorable. Did, did you have in a more the category of the bus ride in Orlando <laughs> uh, from from, from, from uh, Savannah to uh, Birmingham? Yeah, Trading right that group. Did you have a more chaotic first day in the big leagues than Kirby Puckett did when he got called up flying oh, across wow, the country? That was fun. What a fun day! Uh, Kirby got off the plane and. Uh, the, story about that was uh, we were in Seattle and we had a big meeting. Uh, uh, Calvin Griffith, the owner of the team. Uh, uh, let's see, he was uh, Billy Gardner, was the manager. I was the third base coach. And it was my first year, I believe, or second, first. Well, uh, we spoke up because we didn't have a center fielder. We had Ron Washington, who's done a terrific job of managing and coaching for you fans down there in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly know Ron. And he was playing center field, and he was an infielder. And, and we had another fella, and I can't get his name out, but I will eventually. But uh, Daryl something, I think. No, no, it was a, a left-hander. Uh, was it Eisenreich? No. Oh, no. no. Uh, I'll get it. Uh, sure. But it doesn't matter. The uh, So uh, Rich Delmazic was our bullpen catcher, uh, bullpen coach. Uh, Steli passed away a couple years ago as well. But, uh, oh, man, I didn't know that. Yeah. The... Uh, uh, at the meeting... Uh, Stelly and I decided that we would speak up, and uh, we did. We said, well, Kirby Puckett is better than what we have out there now, and he certainly will not embarrass us. And we, after that, we shut up, and uh, within a day, we're down in Anaheim, and uh, and here comes Kirby. And so now we start to get nervous because, uh, you know, we, we spoke up for him, and and uh, now we have to just trust him to be the player that we think he can be. 
and uh, but I said, well, we got out on the on the limb here and uh, spoke up for a guy, and and uh, we're going to see how it works out. But uh, I think he got four hits that first day, but he got off, he got off the plane into a cab and got to the ballpark in Anaheim and didn't have enough money to pay the cab. He had to come in and get money from the traveling secretary uh, to pay for the cab ride. And uh, the rest is pretty much history from there. But, uh, you know, he certainly turned out to be a a Hall of Fame-type player and a name that's uh, uh, recognized up here in Minnesota as one of the greatest uh, players who ever have a Twins uniform. So uh, House, he made uh, everybody around him uh, uh, better. And uh, certainly made the manager better in the, in the following years. But uh, Kirby was uh, uh, certainly one of a kind. And and uh, wherever we went, uh, traveling on the road or whatever, uh, you know, they wanted to see Kirby Puckett play. And because and, uh, he was a blue collar type guy, mm-hmm. and uh, ran all the balls out. He hustled. He caught the ball in the outfield with two hands. You know, he did. He did everything. <clears throat> Excuse me. That uh, is expected. I'm getting a little choked up talking about Kirby. I understand. Yeah, man. He was. He was. I. You know. I was just against him uh-huh. all the time. You know. When we came to play you guys, you came to Baltimore. He was. Um, he always seemed to have a smile on his face. He was like he. He thoroughly enjoyed every minute of every game. Correct. You know, just from the other side of the field and and you know, met him once or twice around the cages and you just, as a, as an opponent, you loved playing against him because he made the game better. Um, man, I, I did. I, I loved, I loved, I hated facing him because unless well, the ball was, swing, you know, the ball was rolling and he's going to swing and mm-hmm. he usually hit it. And he had that knack of being able to uh, hit the ball and find a hole. It was, it was unbelievable. He hit a, a ten hopper up the middle, and it somehow went through. Uh, next guy comes up and hits the same ball, and the shortstop makes the play. It was, it was unbelievable. You know, he he could really be magic with the bat, and uh, of course his defense was, you know, superlative and. Uh, is uh, uh, he could throw? He could do everything. Everything you'd want. Hit it over the fence. He could do steal bases. He could bunt. He was an excellent punter, and uh, he got hits, hits, and more hits. It was unbelievable. What? Um, how, how, how did your time? How did your time in the big leagues affect the way you managed? Well, I wasn't there that long, uh, Greg. But uh, the. Uh, I, I think you learn a little bit from each manager you played for in the minors, and I played for a lot of them, and you learn <clears throat> what you might do or not do. Uh, you know, I coached uh, third base for Billy Gardner, who was a legendary baseball man, and uh, uh, Ray Miller, as you probably know Ray. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and I, I learned 
I think I learned things that, uh, you know, you, you put in your memory bank and you say, boy, that was pretty good, or, or oh, boy, I don't know if I like that, and, and you stick that back there. But someday you may need it, you know. So it's not like you dismiss it, but you keep it in your memory and, and uh, you try to recall different things or situations and how different managers handled them and you go from there but uh and of course the bottom line is uh you get a group of guys and and uh 24 25 guys and you you adapt to them you know and what they can do and and so you draw from each manager that you played for over the years and and uh, your knowledge of the game and and you figure out what they can do well and uh, try not, to, <clears throat> excuse me, try not to put them in a situation where they cannot succeed. And don't ask them to do something they cannot do, and that's shame on you. So uh, we always try to put people in the best position that they could be successful. And you learn different things over the years uh, as you go along, and uh, you make notes and say, well, that didn't work out or this doesn't work out. And so you start making adjustments, and and uh, you basically just have to go on what kind of team that you have and, and uh, find out what they do well and what they don't do well and try to avoid those kind of situations where they don't have a chance to do well. So it's uh, all about the team that you have and, and adjusting to it. Yeah. At what point did you think that being a manager was something you'd want to do? And did you see the game markedly differently from, you know, first base or the outfield as opposed to managing? Well, uh, I got asked to manage in the minor leagues, uh, and I still thought I could play. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, and it's here we go with that drawing that line is when you want to stop playing and move on to something else. And uh, the Twins asked me to manage, and I, I sort of balked at it because that, that the year before I did fairly well at AAA, and uh, I still thought I could play. And so you keep that hope that you might get a chance at the big leagues again. And, uh, and that was probably foolish because <laughs> as I look back at it, I didn't do well the next year playing. And uh, I said, well, I guess I, they were right and I was wrong. I should have took that job managing. Uh, it was an A-ball. And, uh, but then they asked me again, did I want to try managing? And, and uh, I, I did. And uh, so we ended up going to uh, Visalia, California, and managed out there for two years, then moved on to Orlando in the Southern League for two years and then got an opportunity to coach third base for uh, Billy Gardner. Uh, so, you know, everything, uh, and we had, during that period of time, we also did the Instructional League. And uh, and back in those days, uh, the Instructional League was, uh, it, it, it's not, it's it was, it was a game and people were pretty serious about winning and uh, teaching your players how to win and uh, formulating a winning attitude. And, and, uh, and of course, within that you, development, 
of the player and and uh, bringing them along to get to the to the big league. So uh, it's now they don't have that much anymore. They do have that league in Arizona. Uh, forget what they call it, fall league. Yeah, the fall league, yeah, and uh, which is I understand pretty good. But uh, <clears throat> you know the instructional league back then, uh, <clears throat> you know you get number of people in the stands and and uh, uh, they come out and watch you play and I forget if they had to pay a dollar or two to get in I don't remember but uh, <laughs> it, it was uh, it was uh, pretty good baseball and and uh, so we had a number of years uh, running that program for the twins so you know there's there's a lot in, and of course back then, you know, you didn't, you didn't have any coaches or, uh, you know, twins didn't anyway. We, you know, you did it all yourself. Occasionally there'd be a roving pitching instructor that would come in and uh, uh, help you out and look at the pitching. And, and uh, he'd stay probably a week, and he'd certainly help with the throwing batting practice and things like that. So it took a little because uh, – I like to have a nickel for every batting practice pitch I threw over the years, but uh, uh, the uh, that's all part of the job. And, and when you you decide to go manage in the minor leagues, you you know there's more than just running the game. Actually, the game part was the easiest uh, part of it, but the preliminary stuff of of doing the work that needs to be done. And, and like I said, you're by yourself, so. You spend time with some infielders and maybe some outfielders the next day, and the catchers the next day. So you you had to spread yourself pretty thin, and and within all that, you you learned uh, what works for different people, and and of course uh, the biggest problem I had was catching because I certainly didn't know much about that, but. Uh, uh, I think that's if there was something that uh, I wish I could have done better was uh, try to help the catchers a little bit more than I was uh, capable of doing. But uh, uh, the infield work and outfield work came somewhat easy for me. And, and uh, uh, But I did lack a little bit with the catchers, and but that's so just the way it was. So, uh, But you learn so much when you do it yourself, you know, you, you – if uh, your catch one of your catchers you had two, and if one had a, a little bit of an injury or finger or something, you didn't want him hurting himself and in you know warming up the starting pitcher for the night, and so you have to go down and do that. Uh, you know you you know you had to fix the fields, you do the laundry afterwards, and there was a you know it just didn't stop. You know you you just were constantly at the ballpark and. And uh, but I would not have traded it for anything. That's for sure. Things worked out. So well. you you went down and caught the bullpen. You went down and caught the bullpen. Yeah, not all the time. But you know, like I said, if somebody, if your other catcher had a, a finger issue or something wrong, you didn't want him getting hurt warming up the pitcher. So you know you wow. You know because now you're stuck with just one and. And uh, if something happens to your catcher, you're screwed. So uh, we would have to go down and do that on occasion. Now, we didn't do it every night, but we did it quite often. But, uh, you know, catchers are. They get back.
banged up back there, and uh, you just didn't want to take any chances that they'd get hurt warming the damn pitcher up. I'm not real fond of pitchers, Greg, as you probably know. <laughs> <laughs> they all seem, no, to, especially those starters, uh, uh, you yeah. know, every four or five days they go out there and do something, and, you know, la-di-da. <laughs> I think the first, I don't know, first day, two days, three days of camp when uh, 97, when I was with you, you were throwing BP every day. And I mean, you, you had been racking up the ice packs on your arm and I just kind of walked by. I don't think I said anything. I just kind of, it was, I'd never seen it. You know, I mean, I came up with Frank Robinson. Frank did not ever throw bat in practice. You know, Bobby Cox didn't throw bat. So, you know, I hadn't had managers that threw batting practice every day and so i think you went walking by me and your left arm was just completely stacked with ice and i, I might have smirked and you were just like you just looked at me and like what the hell are you laughing about and i was like going i'm getting cut I'm <laughs> day three already and I, I pissed off tk and i was like going, golly the, uh, but it was you now that's the way we grew up with the game you know that's how you you know we did it in the minors and through every day and and uh, you know and if you had a extra batting practice for an individual or two on in the minor leagues you you know you go down you know three o'clock and here you go and then you crank it up again and actually my left pretty good shape it's my right one that hurts I think that's from the fungos swing the fungo bat and uh, I pretty much destroyed my right shoulder but uh uh, the left one still works, so uh, which was surprising. But uh, uh, at least I have one good one. So, yeah, we get by. It. Uh, yeah. I still manage to swing the golf club now, and uh, I don't swing it very well, but I like to go out and we have fun playing and enjoy playing. And we. Uh, I'm one of those that do not keep score. Uh, sometimes when I play, I... I uh, if I make three good shots on one hole, I count that as a three. You know, might have taken me right. five or six to get into the hole, but I made three good swings. And so I, you know, if they ask what I got there, I say three. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how we keep score when I play golf. But uh, we enjoy well. play with some men's groups, and uh, we play twice a week. And uh, uh, very enjoyable and the camaraderie of it and and you know it's no competition per se and we, we just go have fun and, and uh, enjoy the uh, the outing and uh, uh, so basically uh, the winter time comes along uh, like today right now on my computer it says oh it doesn't say as we speak but it was minus seven just a few minutes Ouch. ago yeah and that doesn't count the wind chill, so uh, it's not very pleasant. So it's an indoor day, and <laughs> certainly with the COVID, we haven't been doing too much outside anyway. But uh, again, it's uh, 
it's cold up here in Minnesota. As Brandon probably knows. Yes. Brandon, I'm in, where, where are you at? St. Michael. So uh, 94 out of the city, about 15, 20 minutes. That's west. Yep, northwest. Yep, we're up there. So uh, it's... We took the dog out this morning, and boy, he was uh, he was lifting his legs off the ground. He was too cold. And I said, "Well, then take care of your business and let's get inside, you, you dummy." Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah, and he's smart enough to do that, I'm sure. Well, he's six months old. <laughs> He'll get there. He's he's working yeah. out. His name is Rocco, which uh, is an homage ah. to the current manager of the Twins. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That works out. Good. Yeah. Um, I, what did I want to ask here? Now I'm, now I'm losing. Oh, uh, we recently lost Wayne Terwilliger, your longtime first base coach. Uh, any good twig stories? If you can find a video, uh, I believe it was after 87. Yeah, 87. World Series. <clears throat> There's a video out there. It's... Uh, was shot in the clubhouse, whether it was the TV people or who, I'm not sure. But, uh, uh, and Wayne was always, he one of his duties besides being an infield instructor, which he was uh, so talented at. I mean, he was really gifted uh, in infield play and, and turning double plays and positioning and fielding and, and uh, I can't say enough about it. He was some kind of talented individual with uh, uh, energy and energy and more energy. He just keep going and going. It's like that uh, bunny on the TV, that energizer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, <clears throat> that was Twig. And uh, he, one of his other duties was to prepare the baseballs each day and make sure there's enough balls for batting practice, uh, bullpen, all that stuff, which Greg knows about. Mm. And uh, he, and at the end of each game uh, during the season, he'd always grab, uh, I think it was the, I don't know, it wasn't the bullpen bag, but it was a bag we had in the dugout, and he'd grab that bag and uh, bring it up, up those steps in the dome, and um, and you know put it down in the equipment room, and he just that's what he did. And and after the World Series, we, after Game Seven, the Wayne's got the baseball bag on his arm, and he's still carrying it around during the whole celebration time. This is how far gone this this World Series stuff can get in your mind and your head and you you get to that point where you're somewhat oblivious to really what happened uh, that you won you know and of course it was so dramatic uh, game sevens you know having game seven it, it uh, really adds to it and and uh, but he's walking around the clubhouse and you know the champagne's going and the beer's flying and people are jumping up and down on each other and all that stuff and and he still got the ball bag on his arm. It, it's quite a thing to see. <laughs> it just tells you where uh, what the game uh, can do for you and uh, how much it means to individuals that you become uh, a little robotic at times. But mm -hmm. passion 
that he, he just never let go of that ball bag. I mean, he just carried it. The, you know, there's like 10, 12 minutes in, of video, and you see, uh, you know, everybody and players, of course, and and then there's a couple shots of the coaches, and Twig's still carrying the ball bag. You know, this is 20 <laughs> minutes after the game's over. Oh. And so this is what happens uh, when you get into the playoff or a World Series uh, uh, it's it's quite an emotional event, and it's something that you remember. And you asking me the question about Twig, and that's one of the first things that go in my head is him carrying that ball bag around. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, means a lot. Uh, it tells you a lot about that person that he didn't he didn't let go of that baseball bag. It was really really something to see, and and. Uh, mm. You know, so if you really got nothing to do with your day, and if you can find that video on YouTube or somewhere, uh, it'd be worth looking at. So, yeah, because it is quite a thing to watch. You know, it's obvious you see the guys jumping up and down and all that stuff, and champagne and that whole routine. But there are some little things in there that you can pick out and see, and and. Uh, it really grabbed your attention, and and, uh, and and this did to me, where I saw Twig still carrying <laughs> the ball bag, and I still chuckle every time I I uh, I think about that. But uh, yeah, he's quite the quite the individual. There's uh, no question. I, I want to ask you about you know we're, we're in a work stoppage right now. It's not the same as 1994. But in your mind, um, you know, you guys were doing all right in 94. I think you were seven games under when the season was stopped. How, how do things go differently if you guys finish out that season? Because Ken Herbeck gets a proper send-off. Um, yeah. You know, you guys end up flipping Dave Winfield, that famous story, for a dinner. Um, you know, things things would be so much different if 94 hadn't happened the way it had. I, I'm just curious what your view would be you know, of that. Uh, those things are the business part of the game that uh, bother everybody mm-hmm. and the, the owners of the, and especially the fans uh, and that's who you feel the worst for is the the fans uh, because they're the ones eventually suffer the most there's yeah. no question so uh, I think I worried more about some of that stuff and than than some of the other things that were maybe going on, like you pointed out. But I I think, uh, well, are we going to get back? Are we not going to get back? Or, you know, what are we going to do if uh, we do get back? Are they going to give us five days to get ready? Or are they going to give us seven days or ten days? Or Mm -hmm. what exactly? So I think my mind was spinning that way more than uh, worrying about uh, some individuals and maybe what they're doing or not doing. and So we're more concerned about, uh, probably more concerned about the players. Are they trying to stay in somewhat shape and during the stoppage? And, uh, you know, when you bring them back, are they going to be able to pitch or are they going to be able to, you know, move, you know, do the – have you kept going, you know, or you just shut it down? So – uh, I think I was more concerned with that sort of thing than maybe some of the other things that maybe were going on. So, uh, But the fans 
as you know, they're the ones that took it in the shorts there, I think. Of course, it might happen again. Yeah, yeah, so totally they, agree. They get things uh, worked out, and uh, where everybody's happy and and board for five years or so, without having to think about uh, work stoppages uh, again. So, um, giving the players a proper amount of spring training is uh, very important, and uh, because they're all individuals and they all take different times, you know, Herbeck. Mm-hmm. As you pointed out, Herbeck, after about seven days, he had enough of spring training, and he was sort of ready to go. And Kirby <laughs> Puck, who's a Hall of Famer, Kirby needed like 80-some at-bats each spring to get ready to go. So uh, these are things that the manager knows and and, uh, and what each individual needs to be ready to go. And... Uh, or start the season and, and uh, two very talented players with and had two different completely different makeups where one needed a week and the other one needed the whole thing you know and, and uh, mm-hmm. so it's uh, knowing your players and what they need and to be prepared and and sometimes uh, it, uh, hopefully this year it won't happen but uh, uh, they get the, their full spring training and each guy can get prepared and ready to go. So, and, and if they you cut them short, uh, you know, then the injury thing seems to pop up and and uh, bite a lot of guys, especially the pitchers. Hey, Tiki, I'd be remiss. I mean, we're talking to you for a little while now, and I don't want to. We could have you on all day just listening to your stories and, and thoughts on baseball, but you had a couple of theories that I hadn't seen before until I got, you know, to playing with you in 97. And one of them was the, you never wanted a fastball being the first pitch after the twins had scored some runs in the bottom half of the inning. Correct. And so as the pitcher coming back out, I was never allowed to throw a first pitch fastball to start, to start well, the whole inning. You weren't allowed. We just suggested that made me throw. Yeah. Away. Well, we, well, I'll tell you about that. Uh, we always, felt over the years uh, that we, you know, he scored two, three, four runs, whatever it was, and you maybe get the lead, you might be ahead by a run or two, and and here comes that fastball, and, and boom, base hit, and and uh, especially after you've been sitting in the dugout for maybe an extended period of time. Now, it's a little different in the bullpen, but... Uh, especially the starting pitchers, I, I sort of wanted them to throw a breaking ball. But uh, I always felt the the hitters were sort of ready to hit a fastball and then a breaking ball oh. on the first pitch. And, and, uh, and if they hit it good, they got a base ball or whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, it sort of turned the momentum around. Yeah. And, and we found that... Uh, you found that if you throw a breaking ball, if they still got in their mind to swing, they're probably going to hit a dribbler or pop it up, or or at least the pitcher got ahead in the count, then we can go from there. But I just watched so many hits uh, in the minor leagues as well as the big leagues. Uh, when I first started managing, uh, after we scored, we'd throw a fastball, and, 
and boom, you know. So I, I decided that uh, throwing a breaking ball on the first pitch was uh, a better way to go, and uh, uh, we we did. A, I thought a lot better job of uh, quelling any kind of momentum that may start by throwing first pitch fastball, and the guy hit a base hit. And I, I just felt I didn't want the momentum to turn around. And so that yeah. was, that, that's what that was about. But uh, no, I just I just found know. it was fascinating. Um, that and I don't the, know if uh, it's right or wrong, but uh, that's no. What we did. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't. Ar- it was just you know it was something I'd never seen, heard before, and then uh, you know you were the first guy that I'd ever been around that you know had the catcher give me the shake sign, and then next pitch would be I'd throw over, and it was just you know little pieces that you know you sit there and you play enough games you just it's like wow never thought of that you know it's a great idea it's just it, it was unique to you and you know obviously i used it later on but um you know these kind of little things uh, uh you know you sort of learn and and uh, keeping the running game intact and uh was very important, not giving away 90 feet if you don't have to, you know, uh, protecting the 90 feet, uh, of course, the bases, uh, 90 feet, you want to protect those 90 feet and and not put the, the opposing team in any kind of position. And if you felt like if you can control the running game um, somewhat to a certain degree, you could protect the 90 feet. So... You know, we had a few little gimmicks that we tried to implore, and, and uh, uh, I certainly don't take any claim to fame for it. But uh, you know, it's just something that uh, we felt was important. And uh, if you had a trick or two up your sleeve, you might help the pitcher and the defense if uh, you can protect the 90 feet, because the 90 feet is what beats you if you start giving those away. Uh, via error or not holding the runner or whatever it might be, or fielding your position, and you have a story about fielding your position uh, as well. So it, you know stuff like that, and because uh, yeah. most of the trouble starts uh, if you're trying to play defense and, and get your pitcher through another inning uh, or two, you. You know, usually most of the trouble starts uh, somewhere near the pitcher's mound, and and uh, and uh, the better that the pitcher has, the better chance he has to protect 90 feet. Uh, you know, could come down to winning a game here and there during the course of the year. So, and most yeah. of the pennant races are decided by a game or two um, at the end. So. Something you might have gave away in, in June or July, you know, might come to bite you in September. So, um, wow. You know, so we always try to protect the 90 feet if we could, and, and uh, keep the opposition uh, just from giving it away. You know, don't didn't want to give it away. So, if they earn it, that's, that's great. Different. But if they don't earn it, let's not give it away. So, um, winning four to three. Instead of losing four to three, was was more you know that became very important 
through the course of 162 games, but because uh, it could come down to a game or two here and there. Well, I gotta I gotta bring you back to the probably one of the most memorable game, memorable games of my lifetime, which is Game Seven in '91. And I mean, Jack Morris, that outing was still yeah. just unbelievable. One of the best all time. Well, that fellow didn't do bad either. That Smoltzy guy he did pretty good <laughs> no. too. You know, it was uh, quite the event. Uh, uh, I have a, a little bit of a funny story before that game. Uh, I'm sitting here. We just had built the house out here in uh, Maplewood. Uh, Brandon knows where that is. Yes, sir. But. Uh, the uh, we didn't have a fence in the yard yet, and and uh, uh, there was a house built next to me, and uh, he was a police officer, and he was in the canine division. So he had this German Shepherd. I think his name was uh, Bear. I'm not positive because he's had a couple dogs during uh, the time he's lived here, but. Uh, uh, he was in charge of the canine unit in Ramsey County. And, uh, and he had the squad car parked out, you know, in the driveway, and, and he had the canine. And Bear lived uh, alongside our house here. And uh, we didn't fool with Bear. You know, you say hello to him and when you see him out, but other than that, you don't go pet him or anything. You know, that would be risky. So uh, I'm sitting here, and the wife and I are having coffee, and we glance out the back window here, and I see two fellas running across my backyard, and they're hauling ass, and they're, they dove into, and now there's two empty lots alongside of me, and they dive in. Now the leaves have fallen, and, you know, in October, and they're... They dove into some leaves, a pile of leaves, you know, in the adjacent lot. I'm going, what the hell? And so uh, we called Bruce next door and said, Bruce, there's a couple of idiots running across the backyard, and they just dove into a pile of leaves in the adjacent lot. So he comes out and grabs the dog and puts the leash on him. And he goes around the front of my house, and he screams and says, come out, or I'm going to send the dog in. And within that, these two guys, they stand up, and they put their hands up. And then the next thing I know, we got I got eight squad cars coming, and they grabbed the guy. And it, so that's my entertainment for uh, before I go to the pulp. <laughs> Park for Game Seven of the World. <laughs> These two idiots running across the backyard. Apparently, they had uh, broke into a house uh, in a neighborhood down a little south of us here. But uh, uh, apparently, they were on the run, and uh, the police, I guess, were coming in at them, or you know, got them sort of kind of. But I never saw them until they finally stood up and then here they come charging and it was like watching a tv show uh, cops or something it was a really uh, 
quite entertaining, but I said, this is something for Game 7. But <laughs> uh, What a way to start the day. So I don't know if I was given credit for capturing any uh, criminals, but uh, to watch that dog go around and, and uh, uh, do his job was really impressive. I, I thought that was really something. But uh, uh, So we've become very fond of the uh, canine units uh, across the country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Special. But uh, watching Jack uh, uh, pitch that game was... Uh, you know, you don't realize at the time, and Smoltz, you know, you, you don't realize how uh, great they're doing. You know, he, you know, you you watch Jack pitch some great games during the course of the year, and in his, the course of pitching against us, uh, so many times <clears throat> when he was with the Tigers, uh, uh, you know, you got a, somewhat accustomed doing pitching well and of course Smoltz was doing Smoltz things and and you know nobody could score a run and and uh, uh, I remember sitting and standing in the dugout and just trying to figure out how the hell we going to score a run we we did try hitting and running we tried bunting uh, to advance the runner and you know I, I, I was running out of tricks uh, or trying to find a way to score a run, and, and um, uh, fortunately we did. Um, but, uh, uh, again, uh, that was a World Series that uh, probably both teams deserved to win. You know, the Braves, we, if you could do it, you probably could have cut the thing, the trophy, in half and gave each team half the trophy. But uh, that's how good that was. And, and uh, Brandon, I don't know if you remember, but then it snowed. We had yeah. a big snowstorm. Yep. And, uh, was it like 8,000 inches of snow? Down <laughs> that, yeah, that, I lived that way day. up north. But, uh, yeah, it was like 18 inches was, at uh, one point. And, and uh, I did not have a snowblower. Oh. You know, we had just uh, got into <laughs> the house. Uh, and, of course, my mind wasn't thinking about snowblower. Uh, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> I remember calling the hardware store, and, and the fella managed to drive a snowblower over here, and he made a pass uh, from the road uh, street to the uh, garage and said, here you go. <laughs> but uh, and, and we had at it from there, but uh, I remember being so exhausted. Uh, after doing all the snowblowing and cleaning up, uh, I was just exhausted, uh, both mentally and physically, but um, again, it was uh, uh, quite the trip. We had, uh, and in between that, we had to go to uh, the White House, and we and we they got us out of the White House and back to Minnesota. Bef uh, we were the last plane to land before they shut down the airport that day. Wow! So uh, they kept the runway sort of open so we could get down and but uh, as soon as we landed back from DC uh, they shut the airport down so there was a there was a whole bunch of stuff going on and uh, uh, you know with the White House trip and, and uh, the snowstorm and uh, you know it's just uh, 
uh, but it, you know, you think back at it and, and uh, of all the things that went on uh, for for the last uh, your last month of your life and how how really great it was for the upper Midwest and uh, the people in the um, Minnesota uh, had a chance to celebrate uh, another World Series, which was uh, very very special. So. There was a lot of good things that happened, and there was some crazy things that happened uh, with the snow, and and of course the idiots running across the back <laughs> of the yard, and, and uh, so we had a lot going on. It was, uh, uh, you know, you sit down, and you tell these stories to people, and they just look at you like that happened, that yeah, yeah, all that happened uh, during that one period of time, and you managed to score one run to win a ball game, and and. Uh, um, you got to witness uh, uh, two great pitchers uh, just pitch their eyeballs out and trying to win for their team. And it was, uh, it was quite a memorable time. There's no question about that, uh, and especially Jack pitching 10 innings. You know, uh, Greg, do you think anybody's going to pitch 10 innings uh, in the near future? I don't think. Man, we're not going to see nine in, TK. We're not going to see nine innings again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't. Fe- it doesn't feel like. Uh, you watching know? guys leave I mean, after five or six, and and uh, and then they tip their hat as they go off. You know, oh boy. Sometimes yeah, hard. I mean, yeah. I just it, I laugh because people are like, you know, what do you think? I'm going, man. I got called up in eighty. I got called up. At, you know, my rookie year was eighty nine. And we had a five-man bullpen, and if the starter went five, no you're problem. wiping us out for two days. You right. know, everybody had to pick up innings, and it was like somebody, somebody's done, and it wasn't normal to send a reliever or two relievers down because they threw two innings the night before, and you pack right. them to pack them down to triple A. It's just, yeah, I don't was, know. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things that uh, need to be addressed, actually. A guy can you know, suck it up and pitch three or four innings because the starter went uh, an inning in the third, and and now this guy, and then after the game he gets uh, sent to the minor leagues. I, I, that's that's tough. That's a tough one. You know. Yeah. yeah. But they all seem to do it. And uh, well, but I wish they could fix that. That's uh, doesn't seem right to me. That would be one thing for the players' union right now to throw out there. You know, mm-hmm. there's no. I'm Just sure they got the bigger, down. bigger things on their plate to try to handle. Yeah. But uh, no, you're correct. I I I think that's. I, I sit here and tell the wife. Well, you know, he just threw his arm. Uh, you know, sixty, seventy pitches and three and a third, three and two thirds, whatever, and pitches. He pitches ass off for you, and then you're going to bring him in and send him to AAA. That, uh, that's that's tough. Oh. I have. Can you imagine doing that one? Could you imagine doing that, TK? No, I can't. I don't think I could do it. But that's the way it is. That's yeah. the way it is now. Yeah. So, but I don't think I, I'd have a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you at least – sorry sorry to interrupt. Um, no. Did, in that 91 series, you faced a formidable manager in Bobby Cox. Oh, um, yeah. Over your time managing – did you have managers that you like to manage against tactically? Because we had Buck Showalter on before the Mets hired him, and he 
he talked about liking to go up, liking to go up against you know Tony Larusa. He dropped a bunch of names and said um, he liked to go head to head with managers that he could really face off against. Did you have guys like that? Uh, yes and no. Yeah, yeah, it, you did, and I think everybody says Larusa. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had some battles over the years, and uh, uh, but. You know, it, it really comes down to your starting pitcher that day and how he does. And if he does well, you can have a, a good battle. But if he gives you, throws up a four spot in the first inning on you, you, you know, things change. So uh, the game can change so quickly that, you know, some of that stuff goes out the window. But uh, if you have a good game, it's, it's uh, you know, if it's a close game, you can you can really get into it and, and it becomes a lot of fun. So, but it, it all comes down to the players and, and put up a good game for you or they're not. And, and, uh, or you're mm-hmm. just going to get your ass beat that day and, uh, which can happen or you might do the same to the opposition. So, uh, yeah, they're fun, but, uh, the bottom line, it comes down to the players and, and if they're going to get the job done or they're not. And uh, some days it works out for you and some days it doesn't. But, again, bottom line is uh, the game's about the players and how they perform on a given day. And, and, uh, and if they're performing good, you might be able to there to help out. But uh, for the most part, they're going to be in control. Oh, TK. Uh, I got I got one more for you. Then I got we gotta let you go. This has been this yeah. has been amazing. Um, in in you know an amazing career. Uh, one of my favorite baseball people. What uh, what's one of your what's one of your best memories of the game? Um. Well, there's a lot, but I think one of the things that really grabbed my attention was uh, after the first World Series and this is a two part uh, I'm going to give you two things actually Uh, I got a call it had to be a week after the World Series and I'm in uh, at at the dome I'm in the office I'm going through mail and and whatnot, and maybe some interviews or whatever. And uh, I got a call from the chief of police in Minneapolis. And he said, are you going to be in your office tomorrow at noon? I said, I can be, you know. Um, He said, well, I would like to come over, and some officers are going to come over. And I'm going, oh, boy. Now, I figure something <laughs> screwed up, correct? I'm going, oh, boy, what is this? Yeah. About? So I call Andy McPhail and tell him the phone call I got. And he said, oh, Jesus. So here comes tomorrow, and uh, <clears throat> it's getting near noon, and Andy, he comes down to the office, and all of a sudden, here, here come the chief of police from Minneapolis, St. Paul, and a number of officers. 
had to be six, eight, I don't remember. And they come walking in, and they, they're dressed. I mean, they got the full gear on. They're, and the chief said, we wanted to come down and thank you. I said, what? Now I'm looking, I'm befuddled. I'm going, thank me. He said, he said to me, you don't know this, but how much better living in Minneapolis and St. Paul have been the last month and a half since the end of the season through the playoffs and World Series. He said the crime rate has gone down, this has gone down, that has gone down. Everything's better in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And we wanted to come down and thank you. I I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Now, these are things that you don't ever think of. All I'm Uh worrying about is scoring a run or two (laughs) here and there. And who's pitching tomorrow? And are we going to be able to get a few hits? And are we going to play good? And uh, But this is what the man said to me. I, I never have forgotten that. And McPhail, Andy, he's looking at me, and I'm, I'm just taken back by what these men took time out to come down. Now, mind you, I didn't throw any pitches. I just wrote the names down and put them out there. But he come, you know, they took time out of their day to come down there and say these things. Now, I was absolutely shocked. Now, the second part of that, as I'm going through my mail, and, you know, you get the fan mail and autographs and this and that, and, and mine sort of piled up some. And I start going through, and I'm signing autographs and put them back in the envelope and get them ready to send, up, send back to the people okay greg i know you do this so you get uh uh now i start reading some letters and uh mostly some men but mostly women and wrote and said uh how the playoffs and the world series brought our families back together we were having some trouble and we're having this going on and that going on, but playoffs and World Series uh, brought us all back together. Now, and I, I can't tell you how many of those I got. I, I had at least ten, at least. And I'm reading these things, and I'm starting to get tears in my eyes. And I'm, I'm going, and I never realized just how much the game or an event like the World Series or playoffs can mean to different people, like the policemen, like these families uh, that were having some issues, how it brought them back together. I don't never, I never thought of these things, and I, you know, uh, how these kind of events can or what they can do besides yourself or your team. There's other people out there that these events affect. And I think that's, to answer your question, uh, these these kind of things are the things that uh, uh, 
surprised me the most. And maybe it was just me being naive about really what's going on uh, or I'm not aware or not smart enough or whatever to realize just the effect of uh, a baseball game can have on different people that you don't much think about how it can affect them. So besides winning a ball game, uh, there's way more to it that's going on out there that at the time you don't even think about. So uh, to answer your question, uh, that's how I would answer the question. That, that uh, no, that, I mean, I'm just, you, you, know, you, just you don't uh, no, you, you floored me. A number of other people that, uh, live in your community or, or in the surrounding area and just what these kind of events can do for a community or a state or the upper Midwest, if you will. So, uh, it's just some food for fodder, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. There's other things going on besides somebody just trying to hit the ball, mm-hmm. catch a ball or make a play or throw a strike. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that the was, game has a TK, lot that of was awesome. people. And, whether, uh, and I know they say football, is uh, the NFL is getting to be the number one sport or maybe is the number one sport. And I wouldn't argue with that after watching the playoff games this past couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, I know what baseball can mean to a lot of people. And, and uh, so for me, it's still going to be number one. Oh, we're with you. Um, oh, that was, yeah. That was, that was uh, you don't think about it. You're just, you know, you know, you're just in your bubble. Correct. And as you go through the season, you're just self-contained in the bubble. What's going on with the team? What's going on with me? And, and you don't, no. you don't think how it's affecting everybody else. And, um, yeah. wow. You don't know. You just don't, you, you just don't think of it. And, and you put it well, you just get in that bubble and, and, uh, uh, it's just worrying about, uh, balls and strikes and finding a way to, score and beat the other guy so uh, uh, and there's way more to it so that's why I think it's still the number one sport and I don't know whether football can do that sort of thing or maybe it can I'm not sure but uh, I know baseball can do it wow thank you TK yeah I just went well for you Oh man, uh, uh, you know that, that was that Brandon's was a, got about an hour. Control. Let's hope yeah, so. We hope so. <laughs> I still can't remember. I'm trying. I try like hell to remember, but I I, I remember telling stories, and that's yeah. one of the things when I go to the ballpark, I end up talking and telling a story or two here and there and over there, and I don't ever see the game. It's it's. Um, you know, you go down there, they ask me to come down periodically to do something, some kind of function or this or that, and Twins Hall of Fame or whatever it would be, and, and uh, uh, or go schmooze some people for uh, two, three innings here and there, uh, some sponsors. and, and uh, But I never end up seeing the game, so it's uh, 
and it's like the wife and I, we, we sort of sit here and watch the TV and, and and try to enjoy the game that way because I know when I go, I don't see it. So no, that's too bad. Somebody <laughs> asked me what happened. I, I didn't see it. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you so much for the time. Uh, I'm always telling a story or something or somebody asked yeah. about something. And you end up telling a story or two. and uh, But in the meantime, you didn't see the game. Yeah, well, it was it was a great honor. Um, you are a part That's of. Why so, I sort of stay and watch it. At, yeah, I'm sorry. No, so you you're part of so many memories watching baseball and learning the game, and I can't say enough. Thank you for for not only that, but for coming on and give us way more time than we expected today. Thank you so much. I wanted to ask you uh, before you hang up uh, about your son, and uh, he's going to Auburn. Yes. Yeah, my uh, I got an 18 year old here in Auburn, Alabama. That's gonna go to Auburn as a pitcher, I believe, and uh, just one in and does he do other play things? shortstop? Yeah, he plays shortstop and uh, see if he can hit enough to keep you know keep trying on the other side of the other side of the ball. But mm-hmm. I don't know. He uh, he works harder than I ever imagined that I would, and. Uh, kind of fun to watch because I've never never once had to say let's go to the cage let's go lift let's go never once and so he's got that aspect that's good not not can't be taught Correct. so a lot of fun well, TK, I'm to pay uh, attention. is he going to be uh, with the, uh, the varsity team or do they have other teams no, they just they uh they they only have the one and it's a you know just kind of like the 90s it's a different world now where you know people can transfer in transfer out and so the 35 man roster and um, they'll be going there hopefully as well prepared as you can send uh, an 18 year old into college baseball now. Well, now it gives me something to do. I can. Uh... Punch in Auburn, <laughs> Auburn uh, baseball and see if I see anything. Well, nice. please do. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay in touch because this has been such just a great hour of, uh, like I said, one of my favorite, favorite people. I, I wish it. I had, uh, I, enjoy I had been better, better in '97 for you, but you know, uh, it's what it is. There's a few years there we don't like to remember too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, okay, I'm going to check in. With, I'm going to check the, in. The best part of the day was watching Molitor walk in. Mm. Oh, yeah. man. That was the best we part. Didn't even, yeah. yeah. He was so fun to watch. Yeah, he was something. He was something. And not face um, it. I talked to him, oh, maybe a month ago. I talked to him a little bit. But, uh, uh yeah, he's doing fine. Yeah. Good. Yep. He's one pretty, of my favorites. Pretty lucky to have a pretty good set of people walk through that clubhouse door, and I got, I got mm-hmm. to write their names down, so it was uh, really fortunate for me. Yeah, no question. Yep. All well, right, Brandon. Well, I'm going to... Brandon, next time, say hello. And, I will. Uh, I absolutely will. Okay, and Brandon, who who are you working for? So I, I created a newsletter called Access Twins. So I'm doing my own thing. Uh, it's a Substack, and uh, we do the podcast. We got a Twins podcast, and then I just basically write up my opinions and 
it's a lot of fun. Uh, but it's called Access Twins, and it's on accesstwins.substack.com. People, uh, people seem to really enjoy it so far. It's been about a year, and, and things are going well. And Greg has been great for the podcast, and we're having a lot of fun. Well, good. I hope it uh, continues. So Yes. Uh, if I'm there at the ballpark, please come up and say hello. Will do. Yeah, I'd be happy to see you again. Let's get the strike over with, or whatever it yep. is. Lockout. Yep. Yep. Yeah, whatever it is. You move forward from there. Well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna come find you in Minnesota. We'll go golfing when I get uh, get back <laughs> yeah, there. There you go. There you go. Well, I don't like to call it golfing. I, I like to call it camaraderie. <laughs> Even better. You know what we came up with, uh, we decided when we go play golf that when we get out of the car. And we take a few steps towards the clubhouse. We say to ourselves, all right, now let's lower our expectations. And that's the way we approach it. Low expectations. All right, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that tomorrow. Lower your expectations. So if you think you're going to shoot 90 or I got a chance to shoot 90, you know, you might want to lower that to 94, 95. <laughs> then you won't be disappointed. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, so good. All right. Well, TK, okay, thank thanks you. for calling. I we'll, appreciate I'll be, it. I'll be in touch. Man, Greg, you good to so talk fun. to you. Thank you. And Brandon, next time I see you, or I'm there, you, you make got sure it. you come up and holler at me. You got it. Well, for, for we TK, Tom Kelly... Legendary Twins manager uh, for Greg Olson. This is Brandon Warren signing off, saying thank you so much for checking out that 90s baseball pod. Powered by Access Twins, we'll catch you on the other side next week. Peace.